So uh, today is our last Sunday in our series in the book of Daniel, and, and we're going to cover the last three chapters of the book of Daniel in one message. Now, it, it's the three chapters that some people find the most fascinating because there's a lot of prophecy in these chapters, including about end times. Oh, and I, I want to thank Lucas for his great messages over the last two Sundays. He's truly a gift to us as a church. He's, he's truly a gift to me personally. Okay. How many of you would admit that you are Harry Potter fans? Anybody? Okay, we got a few. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you were raised in churches or homes that taught you that reading Harry Potter was evil? There might be a few of you as well. In my family, as my kids grew up, Harry Potter was a thing, and my middle daughter, Susan, was a passionate fan. As a result of some churches being wary about it, I decided to uh, follow the Harry Potter saga a bit to see what it was all about. And I discovered that J.K. Rowling simply brilliant and wrote amazingly healthy stories about good and evil in this world. Rowling also more recently, she's been the victim of cancel culture. She's taken a, a bit of a stand against how the transgender issue is being dealt with in Britain, not for religious reasons, but because she sees it as demeaning to women and to the work of women's rights over the years. It's a complex and interesting argument that I don't have time to unpack, but she's been cancelled by many. Um, there's a fascinating podcast or a podcast series about this that some of you might be interested in. It also gives a lot of insight into the whole transgender issue. Through it all, Rowling has held her ground as uh, some stores, a lot of stores, have taken her books off the shelf. Uh, uh, a lot of schools have done the same, and on and on. Okay, in the sixth Harry Potter book, there is a scene that might be one of the most confusing and bewildering moments in the series. Now, I should warn you that if you've never read Harry Potter or watched the movies, what I'm about to say could be a spoiler, but... I feel this is like now part of our shared cultural knowledge, kind of like Darth Vader being Luke's father. And if you're like, what? I got nothing left to say. Albus Dumbledore, the wide sage of the Harry Potter series, Gandalf, the Godfather, Santa Claus, and Nicolas Cage, all wrapped up into one has been severely weakened through a battle with the evil Lord Voldemort's Death Eaters. And as the battle is ending, he is barely still standing. Severus Snape, who is a teacher at, at Hogwarts Castle, and uh, Harry's, uh, you know, his, his longtime antagonist, his nemesis throughout the series, is standing in front of him with his wand. Dumbledore is completely vulnerable before him. I mean, you've always been a little bit unsure about Snape, not sure where his loyalties lie. Dumbledore makes eye contact with Severus and says, Severus, please! And Severus, instead of helping him, aims his wand at him and kills him with a curse. It seems like the ultimate act of betrayal, a, a moment when evil triumphs over good and, and all is lost. In the next book, however, you learn that Professor Dumbledore had secretly confided to Snape that he was dying of a slow and irreversible curse and that through his death he could grant Harry a power that Harry couldn't have as long as Dumbledore was alive, a power that could defeat Voldemort. So Dumbledore makes Snape promise that when the moment comes 
Snape will let him die. And suddenly the meaning of uh, Dumbledore's please, Severus, please, is reversed. I mean, this is so cool. Dumbledore's death was not an act of evil or betrayal. It was all according to the plan. Let me acknowledge that I got this, uh, this story from the Baptist preacher J.D. Greer, and, and I'm drawing on him a fair bit for our message this morning. Okay. Many stories that we read involve chapters where the characters go through something that at times feels chaotic or tedious or, or, or tragic, only to learn later that it was all part of the plan. I'm thinking of uh, Daniel LaRusso's training at the hands of Mr. Mayagai or Luke's exile into the Dagobah system or, or how many of you remember Lightning McQueen getting stranded in Radiator Springs? Any of you? And yes, I know these comparisons date me. It is what it is, okay? The point is, a lot of things that turn out quite well have sad, confusing chapters, but they're all part of the plan. That's Daniel's message to us in the last three chapters. Things are dark, he says, and they're about to get darker. But don't despair, it's all according to the plan. In the last chapter of Daniel, we have these words of God spoken to Daniel that really tell us what the book of Daniel is all about. Those who are wise, that should be you and me, wise in the Babylon of Fort McMurray. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Because the, the book of Daniel is all about shining with the light of hope in an increasingly dark world. Make no mistake, the backdrop of Daniel's book is, is somber and heavy. And the world for the foreseeable future is not going to get much better. It's, it's going to get worse. Yeah, several prophetic visions in Daniel tell us that. I know, everybody in our world wants to think that the world is gradually progressing towards a utopia where we have no more political or economic problems, uh, where everyone lives in abundance and prosperity, united in one happy world. But that's not where Daniel says our world is going. Nor is it where Jesus in Matthew chapters 23 and 24 says the world is headed. Listen to these words of Jesus. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pangs. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Or there's what the Apostle John tells us in the last book of the Bible, Revelation says is ahead of us, and it's pretty dark. The writers of the Bible consistently tell us that the world is going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. So be encouraged. Let's close in prayer. Okay. Last three chapters of the book of Daniel record his final visions. And as he does, he gives us bad news and good news. And there are a lot of details here that I know some of you totally want to geek out on, and we'll touch on a few of them. But all I can do this morning is focus mostly on the bigger point of why Daniel tells us these things. He's just saying, trust God. God is in control. Martin Luther. Some of you know that he's the guy who did the Protestant Reformation, got it going. He's the father and founder of the Protestant church. He wrote this about these chapters in Daniel. These are wise words. Listen to them. Daniel concludes the record of his terrifying visions and dreams on a note of joy, pointing to the coming of Christ's eternal reign of glory. 
Whoever wants to study them profitably dare not focus his attention on the details of the visions and dreams, but seek comfort in the Savior Jesus Christ, whom they portray, and in the deliverance he brings from sin and misery. Martin Luther wrote that way back in the 1500s, and friends, yeah, there were people who wanted to geek out on the details then, just like there are people today. So we'll look at the bad news first, and then we'll end with the good news. Let's look at the opening of Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future. Get that, certain to happen in the future. Times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I, I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. You know, you know it's bad when you're too overwhelmed to even rub in your essential oils, right? Daniel can't even make it across the room to flip on his lavender diffuser. So we read that an angel comes to comfort him. The, the angel puts a little dab of chamomile lotion behind his, uh, his ear and flips on the lavender diffuser and then begins to explain the meaning of the vision to him. A, a lot of things in this vision of Daniel overlap with the previous visions we've studied in Daniel. In fact, all the visions and dreams of Daniel, whether given to pagan kings or Daniel, they're about a series of world kingdoms that will arise, each one oppressive and hostile to the gospel. We've talked about them. After Babylon came Persia, after Persia, Greece, after Greece, Rome, and then after Rome, a final kingdom headed by the Antichrist. Daniel explains to us that certain elements of the first few kingdoms give us a foretaste of what that final kingdom of the Antichrist will be like. Okay, let's take a quick time out here. Christians divide on how to interpret this. In one sense, we have been in the end times ever since Jesus died, and those end times will continue until Jesus returns. And during this time, the spirit of the Antichrist is ever-present and will intensify over time. Here's what the Apostle John says. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. The spirit of the Antichrist is the spirit of Satan, the evil one, and is at work in this world like right now. We see this work everywhere. And it's going to get worse, not better, over time. Now, when I went to seminary to prepare for ministry, my teacher took all the references to the Antichrist as a reference to the spirit of Antichrist. They, they did not believe in a literal end times Antichrist. Now, one of my professors hedged the bet, um, and those of you who know some of the terminology will, will get this. He, he described himself as a pan-millennialist. It'll all pan out in the end. That might be the safest position to take. But anyways... On the other hand, there are TV preachers in particular, some fiery Pentecostal preachers among others, who, who see the Antichrist as a literal person, an end times leader who is evil personified, who will rule before Christ returns. My take is kind of a both-and approach. I, I believe that my seminary teachers were right when they said the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well right now, and we can expect it to get worse as time goes on. 
But I also wonder if some of the references to the Antichrist might not refer to not only the spirit of Antichrist, but to a literal end times person. Now the reason I'm open to this thought, despite my seminary profs, is because Daniel's prophecies about Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome all came true, literally. So this final kingdom that Daniel talks about, I don't think maybe that all of a sudden it becomes allegorical or a figure of speech. I suspect it too is literal, but I will admit it's debatable. I'll leave you with that thought and not go into detail because the fact is, whether the Antichrist is only a symbolic figure or ultimately um, becomes a real person, or is, as I believe, kind of a both and, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the message Daniel has for us today, that God is in control of who is in control, even as the world gets darker and darker. It's all part of the plan. And let me say that it is clear today that the spirit of Antichrist is leading us into more and more darkness. Daniel says he devours much flesh. Friends, we, we see that today. The last hundred years have been the bloodiest century in all human history. More people have been killed by genocide and war and abortion than any other century in history. He's at work in your life to destroy your flesh through alcoholism and addictions and pornography and materialism and gender confusion. He's working to erode and destroy the foundation of everything good. Some of you are experiencing that right now. Daniel tells us that, that he doubts God's word. Our enemy begins every attack by making you question God's word. The beauty and life-giving nature of healthy sexuality as God designed it has been thrown away by our world. Some of you struggle with this, big time some of you. Or you say, I'm, I'm just trying to find myself as you dabble in this or that that is contrary to the wisdom of God's word. That's the spirit of the Antichrist at work. Daniel further tells us that he exalts man. The spirit of the Antichrist is trying to get you to exalt yourself. To think that your agenda is the most important. That you know what is best. Through things as benign as Facebook and X and Instagram reels to consumer-driven commercials and self-help seminars, trying to get you to fixate on yourself. He whispers in your ear that you know what's best for your life, that no one else is looking out for you, so you better do that, right? That you can only be happy when your kingdom comes and your will is done. Make no mistake about it. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. And Daniel tells us that he employs the powers of the state and machines of culture and media to promote those things. He's basically in control of those things. The Apostle Paul describes them this way. He is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit at work in the unbelieving world. Friends, he is already here. And the bad news is that uh, things are only getting, going to get worse as the literal Antichrist coming nears. And so Daniel describes what's yet to come this way. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since the nations came into being until that time. Let me... Uh, quote a little bit here, J.D. Greer, but throw in some of my own passion because I, I, I really feel this big time. Friends, friends, make no mistake. We are sending our kids into a hostile world and we need to prepare them for that. Hear me. We can't be content with a thin layer of religiosity. Uh, I mean, kids who just don't swear, who, who don't have sex, who, who know how to be polite. 
We need to teach them that Jesus is worth living for and even dying for. And though the world and the evil one take everything from them as they serve him, that he is worth it. Can we teach our kids that he is worth it? Friends, no wonder Daniel was grieving. What a dark view of the future. And we, and we should grieve too. It's the biblical concept of lament that this world is often indeed a dark place. But I can't leave you in the darkness. Daniel doesn't leave us in the dark because there's good news. Three things. Number one, friends, suffering is limited. Read the book of Daniel and see that God is in control of it all. That God is in control of who is in control. Take a look at these words of Daniel. He will be successful until a time of wrath is completed. Um, we're talking about the Antichrist, the spirit of Biden. For what has been determined must take place. Why? Because it's all part of the plan. Though persecution in so many parts of the world is real and painful, though the world we live in right now fights our values as followers of Jesus and is doing so more and more, it has all been decreed and foreseen by God. The time has been set and not a moment of it comes that, that God, uh, well, not a moment more of it will happen than God will allow and attend. Kind of like that terrible scene with Snape and Dumbledore. It looks bad but it's all according to the plan. And one day, the meaning of these tragic events will be reversed. Hey, I, I do hear something saying, Doug, 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 when do we get to the encouraging part? Suffering is limited, I get it, but I'm not sure I've encouraged yet. So hold on, listen. The encouragement is in that word decreed. If God decrees of all of this, if he, if he sees it all, if he's, if he's over it all, doesn't that show that he's in charge of it all? And that means what looks to us like bad news might one day reverse to become good news. Snape dropped Dumbledore. It's okay. It's all part of the plan. And that means when something feels dark and chaotic to me right now, I can still rest in it. Because, say it with me, it's all part of the plan. Say it with me. It's all part. Not enough conviction yet. It's all part of the plan. And one day, the terrible meaning of it all will be reversed. It's not Dumbledore's tragic death, but part of his ultimate victory. Hey, you and I want every chapter of the Bible and every chapter of our lives to be good, when the fact is God promises good only when we reach the last chapter of history. The last chapter of history, that's when all the chapters will make sense. It's all part of the plan. I know it's hard to believe in your life right now, but it is all part of the plan. The truth is, suffering is limited. And then, the second thing that gives us hope. Number two, oh yeah, the resurrection is eternal. After Daniel tells us about a time of untold suffering, he says, then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. So just as a time of persecution and decaying values is seen and decreed, so is a resurrection. And as certain and real as our suffering is, so is our resurrection. 
Friends, our God who sits on his throne above it all will restore it all. He had the first word and he'll have the last. Friends, a new world is coming. Our, our hope is not in the success of this life, perfect marriages, prosperous businesses, even political power. Our hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Our hope is in the certainty that Satan and sin and death are defeated and that just as hardship and persecution have been decreed, so was the eternal reign of Jesus who will renew and restore all things. Friends, a new world is coming. But even so, there are some tough here, words here, words we do not like to hear, words that I do not like to say. Back to what Daniel said, and let me read it to you from the New International Version this time. But at that time, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered, saved, rescued. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Friends, the book of life, the, the most important book in history, contains a list of all those and only those who have repented of their sins and trusted Jesus as their Savior. So I've got to ask the question, is your name in there, in this book? If we looked over the names, would yours be in there? Ask yourself, is your name written in the book of life? I mean, how ultimately tragic to find out on the most important list ever compiled that your name is not on it. And whose name are in this book? Is it church members? Is it people who lived mostly good lives? No. It's those who've asked Jesus to forgive their sins and surrender control of their lives to him and trust him as their only hope for salvation. Those who have been born again. Has there been a time when you have been born again? Salvation is a gift offered freely to all who will receive it. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus' death is paid for your sin, covered it forever, but, but you have to receive it. It is not yours until you claim it. I recently heard uh, that in North America, all over North America over the past year, listen to this. We have left over $4 billion, that's $4 billion Canadian dollars, unclaimed in gift cards. $4 billion, just wasted, never claimed. This offer from our gracious God is worth far more to you than $4 billion. It's the price of your soul for eternity. Don't, don't leave it unclaimed. So the suffering of ourselves and our world is limited. The resurrection, hallelujah, is eternal. And thirdly, number three is power. Power is available. In this time between the death of Jesus and his soon return, Jesus started something new. This is what Daniel speaks to in this verse. I call it the key verse of the book of Daniel. Daniel 12, verse 3. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. Jesus explained it all like this. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus has given you and me and everyone who follows him the power and the authority to shine brightly in this world as we lead many in this dark world to become followers of Jesus themselves. That's our mission. That's your mission to be light in this dark world. We are to lead many to life-giving, life-transforming righteousness. We are to help people caught up in the darkness to become disciples of Jesus and become full of light themselves. That's who we are as a church and who God has called us to be. 
So here's the question. Are you ready to be a part of this movement? First step, let me suggest. Let me give you a way to be part of this mission, this movement. As we enter into the Christmas season in a few weeks, there's, there's no better time to let your light shine. Where you admit that for you, Christmas is about Jesus. Where you invite friends and families and neighbors to consider the Christ of Christmas. Friends, people are more open to Jesus during the Christmas season than at any other time of the year. Let's take advantage of that. So you can invite them to a low-key, fun event, our Christmas Lights bus tour. It's on Friday, December the 8th. Take a tour of the area and take a look at Christmas lights. And then there's all this fun that happens in the auditorium while you wait for your bus. You could also volunteer to help make that event happen. Then on Sunday morning, December 17th, we have the Kids City Christmas production. It's going to be so awesome. Invite a family that doesn't normally go to church to join you and maybe see what your kids and maybe invite their kids and, and then talk about what it all means after the production. Like have them over for lunch and you can volunteer to make that happen too. And then the climax of our Christmas here at Fort City is our Christmas Eve services on December 23rd at 7 or December 24th at 1, 3, and 5. Christmas Eve at Fort City is incredible. Every year people find Jesus at Christmas Eve and make their way into Fort City as their church home. Think about and pray now about who you can invite to Christmas Eve. And then every Sunday in Advent from November 26th to December 17th, we'll be telling the Christmas story. So invite a friend to church with you any Sunday in Advent. Serve your friends. Be Jesus to your friends. Love your friends. Shine bright in this dark world because our God is in control. And that means the mess of this world will come to an end. This means the mess of our lives and our friends' lives will come to an end. And that the resurrection is eternal. And friends, you and I, we have been given power to shine brightly in this world. You can make a difference, an eternal difference in someone's life. That's your mission. And remember, it's all part of the plan. There is a plan. And friends, Jesus is worth living for, even dying for. And though the world and the evil one may take everything from us as we serve Jesus, he's worth it. He's truly worth it. It's all part of the plan. And now as we go to prayer, I want to give you two invitations to pray with me. Take the words that I pray and just pray them with me in your own heart. First, let me invite those of you who are not sure that you've ever been born again, but you know that you want your name written in the book of life. Would you pray this with me and, and just get your name into that book of life? Just pray this with me sincerely. Take my words and make them yours. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know a bit about you, but I'm not sure that you are living inside of me. Just admit you're not sure. So today... I confess my sin that separates me from your love. And I invite you to come into my life and fill me with your light as you write my name in your book of life. Today, I've decided to follow you, Jesus, and allow you to shine brightly through me to others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer sincerely, your name is now written in God's book of life. Would you let me or Lucas or someone on our prayer team who will be up front at the end of the service know we'd, we'd love to help you take next steps in your faith journey and our prayer team would love to pray further with you. And now, 
I'd like to invite you to pray with me, all of you, a commitment to be part of our mission to shine in Babylon. Would you pray this with me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today, I pray that in the midst of this dark world, that you would empower me to live with wisdom as Daniel did. To be a bright, attractive light in the midst of a dark, confusing world. Use me to make a difference for your purposes and glory. Use me in your mission to see lives change now and forever. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.